This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Welcome to the Morning Beat. It's Friday. AJ Gibson is out, but it leaves room for all the girl power, which I love. We've got Char Giselle joining. It has been since 2019. You said that since you've been on the show. Yeah. Good morning. Hi, Capricorn Queen. Hi, Capricorn Queen. How are you feeling? I am doing pretty good. Happy belated birthday. We celebrated birthdays. birthdays. (laughs) Last month at this point, because it's February, it's Black History Month. Yes, it is. It feels so good. You know, I always enjoy when I work with you, Kayla Gordon. So good morning. Come on. Good morning. I good love morning. you. I love when you're on the show. I feel so inspired by you. And I think that um, not only are you beautiful and you're funny, but you're so intelligent. And I just respect that in 2022, we need to empower women to be brilliant and strong. So I love when it's all female energy. Yeah. I'm into it. We have a good show for you before we go into the weekend. Dr. James Simmons is joining us. We're talking about fourth shots. Uh, And if we need them in regards to uh, the vaccines. Also, Tony Moore is joining us to discuss the Queer as Folk reboot. I'm going to be honest. I've not tuned into the Queer as Folk reboot. I have not. Wait, Queer as Folk reboot hasn't started yet. Are you talking about the L Word reboot? The L Word reboot. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. The L Word reboot. And I have to be honest, I have tuned into it and I enjoy it. Did you like it? I do. Okay, good. It's uh, Generation Q, I think that's what it's called. Yes, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty decent. Um, Okay, good. I have not watched that and I have not watched um, And Just Like That. Oh, I watched every single episode of And Just Like That. Quickly. How did you feel about it? Because reboots, I can't get into reboots. I feel like I'm stuck to the original. Yeah. And then I'm also in the middle of finishing up Euphoria. I have a lot of things going on. Yeah. See, the thing is, I think where people (laughs) miss the the mark is that, and just like that, is not Sex in the City. Like Michael Patrick King, the writers, everyone have been emphasizing since this show debuted in December that this is not Sex in the City. And what I can appreciate about it is, it's just, you know, it's them at 55. Sex in the City started when they were like 30. And them at 55, and I mean, some points were a bit contrived, but overall, I think it's just the nostalgia for me, and I enjoyed it. Yeah. Listen, I wanted to be Samantha Jones so bad, and trying to be Samantha Jones at 16 was not the vibe. (laughs) (laughs) I remember I had this book, and someone was like, if you want to leave your number for somebody, write it on a maxi pad and stick it. Girl, the advice was not right. The advice, no one was guiding me properly. I wrote my number on a maxi pad. And I left it for this girl, and I was like, call me if you're interested. She was not interested. She yeah, was not interested. Michaela, that's not sexy. Listen, that was the advice I was giving. That is not sexy, sister. I was not living my euphoria dreams, Char. <laughs> I was living a sad life. All right, we have a good show, uh, especially this hour. Uh, what if you accidentally got money from your old employer 
mm-hmm. just fell into your bank account. Mm-hmm. Would you say something? Would you return it? What would you do? I uh, are you asking me now, or is this a tease for Hold later? Hold it, tease okay. for later. Think about it. Also, this is crazy to me. A dad wants his daughter to pay him back his child support. What? Bye, girl. My father paid. Listen, I don't like my father. We don't really talk, <laughs> but he sure did pay child support. If he tried to come at me though to pay it back, that is so trifling. I know. Trifling on another level. On another level. Oh no. It's gonna be a good show for you. So for now, let's get into news on the beat. COVID nineteen vaccination rates are higher among gay and lesbian adults in the U.S. compared to heterosexual adults. New research suggests, according to a CDC report, just over eighty five percent of lesbian. Four gay adults in the U.S. have received at least one dose of a COVID-19 vaccine compared to 76% of heterosexual adults. There were no significant differences found in vaccination rates based on gender identity, according to the report, which used data collected from more than 150,000 respondents between August and October. Gay or lesbian adults were also more likely to have confidence in the safety of vaccines, with 76% reporting they were either completely or very confident in vaccine safety, compared with 64% of heterosexual respondents. More than 90% of gay or lesbian adults said they believe getting vaccinated against COVID-19 was very or somewhat important, as did 87% of bisexual adults, according to the report. Now let's get into some weather. It's going to be 68 in Palm Springs, 41 in Houston, 57 in Vegas, and 70 in L.A. Now, Nishar, it's been a long time. Yes, it has. But during this time, we'd like to give a vibe of the day to your choice. So set us with a tone. Well, because it's Black History Month. Amen. And I know that there is a film being developed about this person who has been practically erased from our history. His name is Bayard Rustin. If you're not unfamiliar with him, he is actually a gay man who was Martin Luther King's right-hand man in the civil rights movement. Come but they on. tried to bury him. They tried to bury because he was gay. You're not going to bury Bear. Yeah. So uh, the vibe of the day is one of my favorite quotes from Bayard Rustin. It says, we are all one. And if we don't know it, we'll learn the hard way. Come on. I think that's very appropriate given the time, so, the current time. So appropriate. Thank you so much for sharing that. Now, coming up, if you accidentally get money from your old employer, do you feel that you have <laughs> to return it? We all have opinions, and I've got one too. Coming up next The Morning Beat with AJ Gibson and Michaela Gordon, Channel Q. Okay, look, times are tough in 2022. We are still very much in a pandemic. People very much lost their jobs. So we're all kind of looking for a gift from the universe. Mm-hmm. If some monies fall into my account, mm-hmm. I'm going to say thank you and I'm going to move on. Same. And that's what one woman is trying to do. <laughs> Apparently this woman, she's a TikToker, said that her former employer asked her to send a check to return a payment made in error. And it's now a now viral video. Uh, she recounts that she noticed an unexpected payment of $3,000 in her bank account and reported it to her former employer, Uh, The Texas Education Agency, the video shows an email thread between her and her employer in which the agency confirms the error and asks her to send the check back. She said, I'm 24. I don't have checks. Take a listen to her defense. One moment, please. We are just, (laughs) we are rewinding. We are finding. Ready? Good. Please return the funds via check. I'm 24. 
don't have checks. I have zero checks. In fact, I don't know anybody who actually has a checkbook anymore. Do you? Does anybody in their 20s have a checkbook? My closest bank is 45 minutes away. The location for this job was over an hour away. So no, they fired me, and now I have to go out of my way to fix the Okay, so first of all, I haven't used a check. I, I don't know if I've ever used a check. Not, I not since I was like maybe in my 20s early 20s, but I love this girl and I respect her, but I do everything online. I just use it from an app now. I don't ever have to physically go into the bank. It's rare that I have to go into the bank. Yeah, I figure because this is the an educational job, I'm like, was she a teacher's assistant? Because it doesn't seem like she was with the school district officially. Also, um, she has to be like in rural Texas, right? The fact that the closest bank is 40 minutes away. First of all, sis, where are you living? It's got to be in like rural Texas. But um, I'm someone, I never had an official checkbook, but I would go down to my bank and get that sheet of like temporary checks. True. true. Would like I have to like write them. my rent before I could start Venmo. Uh, true. Yes. Where was well, I, I living? I of used course. to do that on purpose, if I'm being honest, like mail my rent in because I had like a five day grace period and they wouldn't trip as long as the, the check like the envelope was post dated like I had five days to pay my rent yeah so if I mailed like for example today's the fourth if I knew that I needed a little bit more time to get the money together I'd write a check and then mail it to my landlord they live like in Irvine so I knew that I had like three four and you yes. know the weekend's coming up so yes. it's like I got until Tuesday to pay my rent essentially listen you know? <laughs> I did the same thing I would wait until the last minute give myself some grace days yep would you though because mm-hmm. now the debate is just more Morally, it's wrong. Karmically, it's wrong. Would you keep it? Would you say something? I don't know. I feel like I don't know what I would do. I, would, I think, you know, in, 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 in today's times, given how fragile a lot of stuff is, it's only 3K. That's how I'm looking at it. Like, you're a corporation. You know, uh, write it off. I don't know if I would, would give it back. But because they know that she has it and she's now made this public video... If the Texas PD comes knocking at the door, she's going to have to, you know, if they want to take 100%. it, make it litigious. Yeah. It's going to be an issue. Well, also, apparently they fired her. She mm-hmm. said they fired her and they want her now to go to the bank. Did they fire her because she wouldn't give the money back? And is it worth losing your job entirely I to think keep she was, the $3,000? I think she was kind of implying that they fired her prior to her getting, because it's a former employer that put this money in, okay. into okay. her account. It's not her current one, Listen, so I'm girl, thinking that they, they fired her beforehand. I mean, look, if you don't have a job, the money fell into your account. And it is so hard to get in contact with unemployment. It, in today's first like, of all, current Wait, day. but it really is. Yeah. Oh, my God, it really is. Yeah. I feel like, girl, do what you got to do. I just wish you wouldn't have said anything. I know. She should have made it. But everybody wants to be famous, so run to TikTok and tell your story, I guess. And we're talking about it here on the Morning (laughs) Beat, so go, girl. All right, coming up, a dad wants his daughter to pay him back his child support. I've never heard of such a thing, and we'll discuss next. The Morning Beat, Channel Q. Okay, this story is super interesting. Now, Shar, you and I have bonded on... Our parents, our relationship with our parents, sometimes the lack of relationship with our parents. As our listeners know, I'm in therapy with my dad right now. We didn't talk for a couple of years, a long couple of years over my whole life, but we're in therapy right now. I'm grateful for the fact that he's willing to go to therapy, Mm -hmm. although he's horrible in therapy. So Mm -hmm. we are really working through it. But 
We get it. I understand it. He's trying. You made a great point during the break that um, just because there are parents, it can't just be like because they're your parents. Like you right. have to have some action involved. Right. They're, you're not absolved of accountability or absolved from, you know, some of the emotional strain that you put on me just because by right. virtue of you being my parent. And I think that uh, accountability is something that people get uncomfortable with, especially when you start telling them like this was my experience with you growing up a hundred percent and i think that that's always been something to fall back on like well i'm your mom uh-huh. well i'm your dad well that's not enough well it's a deflection as well right you need to stand in your stuff yeah stand in the damage that you've caused that's right and so <laughs> according to this article this is crazy this father took to social media uh to get the opinion of the internet about his complex situation mm-hmm. um in a now viral post the father began his story by explaining that his 21-year-old daughter, Aria, left him and his stepfamily at the age of 15 to live with her bio- biological mother, Sandra, and Sandra's new husband. With custody over Aria split in half, the original poster was more strict on Aria than her mother was, while the OP maintained all child support payments. Mm-hmm. Now, the average estimated monthly payment is around $430. Uh, and he goes on to say that... He didn't like how she was acting. Uh, she wanted to go visit her friends. She wants to do normal teenage stuff. Okay, amen. This is not, we should mention, it's not like Aria was starring in her own version of Euphoria. That's not what we're That's getting right. from the post. That's right. She's doing normal, average 15-year-old teenage things and dad. And we should also mention that the forum that he posted this on was Am I the A-Hole, which is a very popular Twitter account. Yes. And Reddit forum. And he is the A-Hole. He, oh, of course. In, go ahead. in our opinion. Yeah. She wanted to, for example, visit her friends. They lived in a rural area. He had to drive 25 minutes to drop her off. And after he did that, he decided unless they can come to her, she can no longer see those friends. She also went on a school trip out of the country. She texted minimally, but texted her mother more. Mm-hmm. He was upset and mm-hmm. uh, decided that uh, he wanted to punish her. So she was not able to go to a party that she really wanted to go to. And so now he's coming to her. She's 21 years old now and asking for $18,000 in child support. He wants her to pay back. First of all, it's so triggering to me because I feel like this is my, my also my father's vibes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know how you did. Like, how do you have a kid and then ask them to pay you child well, support? Well, the thing is, what I got from reading this, Michaela, is that he has severe control issues. And yeah. it may trickle into misogyny because, you know, uh, one could theorize, would he have the same energy if he had a son that behaved in the same way? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that this speaks volumes of his character, right? For him to ask his daughter at 21 for thousands of dollars. Like, you... I should mention, okay, Aria didn't ask to be here, Dad. Amen. You you brought Aria into this world, and you had a responsibility to provide for Aria as her father. And I think, like I said, it speaks to his character that he wants back child support from his daughter. Like, I, see, also, I see why she lived with Mom. Where is she supposed <laughs> to get this money at 21 years old? I guess he doesn't care, $18,000. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's so... I really, really don't like... I've experienced this. I'm sure you've experienced this. I'm sure so many people have experienced this. Everyone has a type of relationship with their parents. This Mm -hmm. is nothing new. Mm -hmm. I just couldn't imagine the type of emotional damage this will also do to her when she goes on to be in relationships, when she goes on to... Especially if she likes men. A hundred percent. Like, 
I, I just to charge well, somebody for child support is crazy. I hope dad knows that this is probably a, a huge indicator of the end. If I were Aria, I would quite literally never speak to my never. father again. And that's just that. A hundred percent. His I, fault. I, 100% his fault, and I hope that they dragged him for filth on the internet. I hope he's listening to this. No. <laughs> All right, coming up in What's Poppin', Little Nas is back in the news, and he's starring in a new comic book series. You won't believe what series it is. It's great in What's Poppin' next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on What's in Your Podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. That clock at four. Doncic. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Nerds. Today's episode is sponsored by Nerd Wallet Smart Money Podcast. Get your head in the financial game with smart investing and budgeting tips straight from the nerds. Nerd Wallet's experts will set future you up for success with dependable, fact based insights. No financial misinformation allowed. Learn how to save on your summer vacation, find your next credit card, or loan for a big purchase, and invest in your next index fund. Make smarter decisions in 2024. Follow Nerd Wallet Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. The Morning Beat with AJ Gibson and Michaela Gordon. Channel Q. All right, we love a little tea, and we've got Shar Giselle joining us, so let's get into it. Now, okay. We love little Nas X. Oh, yes. I love me some Montero. Tell me about it. I, I just love him and everything that he represents. Every time I see Lil Nas X, whether it's his antics on Twitter or his <laughs> music, I did enjoy his album. He just, he brings me so much joy because I know he's a light for so much of, like, Gen X. Well, I'm... I'm Gen Z, that's what I meant. Gen Z. And like for representation, I know that he inspires these little high schoolers and middle schoolers to be authentically who they are. A hundred percent. He's really taken over uh, just international superstardom. But now he's adding comic book character to that list. Uh, Just this Wednesday, Tidal Waves Comics published Fame, Little Nas X, the latest entry into its popular Fame comic book series. Launched in 2010, the anthology tells the life stories of beloved and prominent celebrities and pop culture figures, giving readers a look into how the subjects became the icons they are today. Little Nas X is one of many musicians to be featured in the series with Beyonce, Lady Gaga, Madonna, David Bowie, oh. and Tina Turner. Yeah, and I'm seeing that with Little Nas X's edition. It tells a story about how he went from a child in Atlanta to a beloved artist breaking barriers as a gay man in hip-hop. Obsessed. So I need to look into the... You know, I'm part of the Beehive. Yes, you to, are. I need to get the you Beyonce the edition. Yes. <laughs> well, you know, I always appreciate so much... When artists become so transparent, I'm very into transparency this year. Like, I just love, I just want to, like, I mean, drop the facade. Please. We're in a pandemic. Be you. Plus, it's like, I'm in my mid-30s now. Like, just give it to me, okay? Just let me deal with it on my own. 
I want to know where you came from. I want to know how you got there. Mm -hmm. I want to know the ugliest parts of you so that I can celebrate your triumphs at the level that you should be celebrated, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think that situations like this, knowing where he came from, just makes me more excited that he is like a social media darling serving, uh, you know, just... Authenticity. And, you know, music aside, he has the social media game on lock. Like, he knows how to, like, jokingly troll. Like, he understands the internet so well that even if he stopped doing music, he'd still be a popular fixture on the internet because he's so funny and he just knows how to get under people's skin. And he does, and that's the best part. When he came out pregnant... I swear to God, Republicans, their heads almost exploded. They think he's so serious, and then he takes it even more seriously. Mm -hmm. I love it. Or even the Call Me By Your Name video. Yes. Remember the blood shoes and all of that? Like, he he does a lot, but I have to give him grace because he's also someone in in his early 20s, so he's still figuring it out past the damn time. I love him. When he tried to (laughs) make it an episode of Maury. Yes, yes. so good. Yes, yes. All right, coming up uh, next hour, Dr. James Simmons is joining us to talk about if we need a fourth COVID shot and how long can you wait to get a booster? I can't take... The only shot I want, Char, is some filler in my lips and a little Botox. That's it. The Morning Beat with AJ and Michaela. Channel Q. Welcome back to The Morning Beat. It's Friday. We're headed into the weekend. Now AJ Gibson is out, but we've got Char Giselle, my cap queen. Yes, all cap. Let me tell you something. You told me, and I share this with you deeply, mm-hmm. you had COVID during your birthday in January. I did. So I did. did I. And I was very upset because my first day back to work here at Channel Q, I had to do from my living room. And I think it triggered me because it took me back to 2020 when I was broadcasting out of my living room um, and beyond Channel Q, like every project. Because, you know, everything was shut down. Yeah. And so being spoiled in 2021 where studios are opening back up and I'm doing things in person and now all of a sudden having to be zapped back for a four-hour show broadcasting from my favorite chair in my living room. It just kind of did something to me. But I was very upset because I went this whole time without getting COVID. So it's like, not only did I contract it, yeah. which was about a month ago, yeah. but not only did I contract it, but I contracted it on like for my birthday. Listen, I was sick on my birthday. I just say that because I share with you, I got covid and had it through Christmas and during my birthday, so I couldn't even have a party. And for us, January babies, I don't think I've had a party since 2019 because of the way, not like a proper party. Yeah. You didn't have one in 2020? No, I had it in my backyard. Okay. With Lisa and my neighbor. Well, 2020, I, I only asked that because we hadn't shut down yet. We shut down March of 2020. And I had um, a... No, no, no. In 2020, January, I did have a party. Right. 2021, One. I didn't have a party. Mm-hmm. And this... Girl, I don't even know where we're at anymore. Yeah, 2021, I didn't do anything. And so that's why I was also complaining, Michaela, because I'm like... Uh, I celebrated all of my friends' birthdays last year, you know, 2021. So it felt like I had two COVID birthdays. I know, I know. (laughs) And everybody else just had one. Same. same. (laughs) I was like, everyone come over here and celebrate me. I'm so upset. But you know what's an interesting thing that you said is that (laughs) doing this show from home after the world opening up again was really triggering. I feel like that's so real because... If there's anything I have to do over Zoom now, and it's not even anything I thought about, mm-hmm. it does put me in that place 
from 2020. Like, Zooming is like a triggering thing now because. If I'm being honest, Michaela, every time I open my laptop, I'm triggered. <laughs> like, it's like I'm so hesitant. Like, I'm not as eager as tackling my emails, you know, with, with yeah. it's just certain things. I think just, I think because when I open my laptop, that signifies the day has officially started. Right. Even if I'm just in my bed and scrolling on my phone, it's something about actually opening the laptop that it's like, once it's open, it can't close until uh-huh. it's time to go to bed. Uh-huh. Like, <laughs> you gotta handle your business, Char. Listen, I. <laughs> I feel that. Uh, well, we're going to have a great conversation this hour. Dr. James Simmons is joining us to talk about if we need a fourth COVID shot. Also, we will be talking about the treatment of Whoopi Goldberg uh, on The View. She's upset. Uh, we've got a Jewish and a black woman in the studio to have this conversation. Mm-hmm. There's not a better type <laughs> a better of people mix. to have a conversation. But I think we're going to end up agreeing on one thing so we'll continue to have that conversation and then in what's popping kanye west is being slammed for trying too hard in his relationship with julia fox which you know i i don't want to sound like an ageist or anything but i was shocked because julia just turned 32 for some reason i thought she was like 36 like she just turned turned 32 she just turned 32 earlier this week don't want to be ages, just turned 34. I thought she was 36, too. Yeah, I, I thought, thought she, she was, was like much closer. Older. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, good for her. She uh, she seems to be happy. He seems, I don't a, know if... A reminder to use your good moisturizer. I know, that's right. And you need a morning routine and a nighttime routine. God bless you, Julia Fox. And an IPL never has hurt anybody, ever. <laughs> It's a good way to (laughs) zap those sunspots. But for now, let's get into a little news on the beat. An analysis released by the Hamilton Project of the D.C.-based Brookings Institution, a nonprofit public policy research organization, takes a closer look at recent U.S. census data showing that same-gender male couples have the nation's highest median family income among three types of couples. The analysis shows same-gender female couples had the lowest median family incomes, even though they were more likely than opposite-gender couples to have two income earners, have higher education, and live in a densely populated area, which the study says are characteristics associated with higher incomes. The report includes an analysis of data released in September 2020 by the U.S. Census Bureau of its 2019 American Community Survey that focused on same-gender couples. It says that when same-sex male and same-sex female couples are lumped together, the census data show they have a higher median income than opposite-gender couples. The report concludes by saying there are limitations to our study, among other things, because the Census Bureau's American Community Survey, whose data it uses, does not ask questions about sexual orientation. Mm. Okay. Great. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's get into weather. 70 in LA today, 55 in New York, a high of 57 in Vegas. That's kind of cold for Vegas. No, no. Well, you know the desert does get cold. I think of Palm Springs. Yeah, it does. Yeah. It's going to be 68 in Palm Springs, and I feel like that's cold for Palm Springs. It is. We're in no snowstorm. Let me be... You know, you're, listen, here, you're talking to cold. a Chicagoan here. Oh, so, you're yeah, rolling d- your eyes. You're yeah, don't it. play with me, Michaela I'm like Dorn. 68. I'm freezing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, give us a vibe of the day, please. So my vibe right now for this hour, like last hour, it was Bayard Rustin. And I decided to switch directions and go with Marsha P. Johnson, the icon. Okay. 
And this quote says, as long as my people don't have their rights across America, there's no reason for celebration. And this quote reminded me of something, I believe it was Martin Luther King that said, no one is free until all of us are. So it's just another reminder, like there is no reason for celebration and we won't be elevated until the most marginalized and the most affected in this nation has adequate rights and some level of equity and equality. That's right. Happy Black History Month. That's right. That's such a good point, Shar. Thank you seriously for sharing that. And come on, Marsha P. Johnson. Okay. Amen. Okay. Okay, coming up, Dr. James Simmons joins us to talk about if we need a fourth COVID shot and how long can you wait till you get a booster? We'll discuss next. The Morning Beat with AJ and Michaela. Channel Q. Welcome back to The Morning Beat. Don't mind me just having a hot flash mid-show, ripping off all my clothes. Thank God it's an all-girl show today. I'm like, yes. Here we go. Now, I uh, we love uh, talking health and beauty. What we don't love talking about all the time is COVID and the pandemic. Yeah. I'm exhausted. But we're yeah. still very much in the pandemic. Yep. And we're still very much in need of getting our boosters, mm-hmm. knowing what's going on. So we like to invite Dr. James Simmons on to talk to us, give us the daily dose of uh, medicine. So do we need this fourth shot or not? <laughs> in my medical way. In that daily dose there, Michaela. Thank I you got very you, much though. for that. That was fantastic. <laughs> you got Thank it. You. I got Thank it. You. That was great. Do do we need a fourth shot? Bottom line for most people listening right now, no, you do not need the fourth shot. Um, We're not really seeing a tremendous amount of of increased protection from a third shot mRNA, so Moderna or or, uh, COVID, Jesus, Moderna or Pfizer. Uh, Third shot between, we're not seeing a lot of difference in protection between the third shot and the fourth shot for most folks. However, here's the big if. If you are someone who is otherwise uh, immunocompromised, um, and, and we sort of mean significantly immunocompromised with this, so people who are um, on immunomodulators, so things that sort of suppress the immune system in general, people who are um, chemotherapy, people who have some autoimmune disorders, things like that, it's taking a lot of times for those folks at least three shots to mount the response that it does in everyone else who has a fully functioning immune system. Um, some folks with HIV, this applies to, though generally those are folks with HIV who um, do not have suppressed viral loads and are maybe not on any art therapy. So it generally doesn't apply to most folks with HIV who are able to take their meds every day. Um, but those folks are maybe needing the fourth shot to protect them against any of the variants, particularly Omicron. But otherwise, if you are not uh, immunocompromised, we're not really having a lot of good data that shows that the fourth shot's really making a big difference. Hey, Dr. James, good morning. It's Char. Um, so, good morning, Char. Good morning, my <laughs> friend. So I didn't even know that there was conversation in the zeitgeist about a fourth shot. Like, I just got my booster in December. Um, this may or may not be a fair question, but where do you see this going? Like, I know that a fourth shot is, you know, like I just mentioned, being talked about. But, like, how many shots in the grand scheme of things do you think that we're going to need <laughs> as we go forward in this pandemic that doesn't seem to be going anywhere anytime soon? Right, right. The pandemic, the, the never-ending pandemic. Mm-hmm. Uh, listen, I really fully believe that we're probably going to get to a scenario where we will recommend a kind of a repeat vaccination against covid probably on an annual basis, similar to a flu shot. 
Wow. More because that's what we can get people to do, right? People will, will are sort of used to like, all right, every year, you know, every fall, let me get my flu shot right quick. We'll, we'll probably start to combine those things. But that's not necessarily based on the science of any of this right now, because if we go strictly on the science, it's still really early to know what's going on. Right now, we're saying, you know, there was a drop off between the second shot and the third shot in Mm -hmm. terms of protection, at least in antibody levels. Right. But who knows with this mRNA technology, maybe after the third shot, that protection doesn't actually drop off. If these variants continue to mutate in a fashion where they're contagious, but they're not very dangerous at all, we might not need to be boosted at all. So there's still a lot of things that are, you know, sort of yet to be known. But I just I guess I'll say I wouldn't be surprised if our future entails an annual flu and an annual COVID booster for sure. Well, listen, I will say that I don't like getting shots unless it's Juvederm honey, but I got COVID in December being vaxxed. I know you got it in January, and December, I was, January. I was vaxxed You were and vaxxed boosted. and boosted. Yeah. The way that I was sick, Lord, it might have been 2020. Like I had the fever. I had everything. And I did it. Granted, it only lasted for like three days. And then I took the full 10 yeah. days like everybody was supposed to do. But as much as I don't love the idea of boosters, if that's what I have to do Mm -hmm. in order to never feel like that again, Mm -hmm. because also losing your taste and smell. Let me tell you something. Everybody got skinny having COVID, right? Because you can't taste, you can't smell anything. I will never lose weight. I ate for the texture. It like didn't even matter. Take yeah. my taste and smell away. I'll still eat. Well, I'll you still know, eat everything. I have. I, I know of people like I see on my social media who still have the like those long, the like those long standing COVID uh, side effects. Like yeah. they lost their smell and taste in July and still hadn't got it back. Right. I mean, nobody wants to deal with that. So I mean, I guess that's the perk for well, me. I do have one more quick question before we go because I have seen conversations pop up around a COVID pill. How mm. prone do you think that? people who are anti-vax are to maybe taking the pill instead instead of getting the jab do you think people who have an aversion to getting the jab will be open to taking the covid pill so that we can get over this hump and move on with life well i was going to tell you guys you know you, you kind of segued into this really nicely that there are you know michaela for you you mentioned not liking shots that's actually a pretty significant a number of people that's part of the reason they why they haven't gotten the vaccine in the first place Some data is saying as many as 20% of people who have not gotten uh, vaccinated is because they don't like shots. We are on the verge of a possible nasal vaccine. So it would just be a spray, a nasal spray up your nose. So there goes your, you know, you you don't have to deal with the needles. So that's really exciting. So maybe, you know, Char, 20% of people who said that they're not taking this thing because they don't like shots, maybe those 20% of people would do the nasal vaccine. Otherwise, we do have two pills that are, you know, one of them's probably going to come to market sooner than the other. One's from Merck, one's from Pfizer. They show pretty good efficacy in preventing serious illness and hospitalization, um, as well as death, from like an oral pill that you would take. We have to give it early on in the course. Um, You know, there's lots of these other factors that need to go along with this. I do find it very interesting that there are a lot of people who are sort of very specifically against this 
vaccine, but they're cool with all the other Western healthcare, you know, innovations that we have come up with. I know, that's right. They probably would, Char, line up for this pill because they're lining up for monoclonal antibodies and they're lining up for all this other stuff. They just don't want to take the vaccine because it's been so politicized. So listen, at the end of the day, I am all about like doing what we need to do to take care of people and keep them alive and safe and healthy. So if that's a vaccine, great. I wish everyone would do it. But if you're not, if we get a pill to market, that can prevent you from getting seriously ill or dying. I'm all for it. And before we go to break, I just want to remind everyone that every every employee at Fox News is vaccinated. It is a mandate there. So I just just want to remind y'all to the Tucker Carlson's Amen. and the Laura Ingram's out there. Like all of them are vaccinated. So go forth and be smart. Go forth and be smart. <laughs> We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. If your day sounds like we need the report ASAP. You deserve Medella. If you've persevered through. You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame. Two more rings, two more. You deserve this ice cold reward. Medella, the Markable Fighter. Trick responsibly, beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. It's one thing falling in love with a house, and quite another navigating the world of negotiating, mortgage lenders, and finding the budget that works best for you. Guidance from an agent who's a Realtor can make all the difference, because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. The Morning Beat with AJ Gibson and Michaela Gordon. Channel Q. Now, I'm very excited to have this conversation with you, Shar Giselle, as a black woman, from a woman to... I'm not the black woman, not as a black woman. I was like, oh, Michaela. As a black woman, I wish. I love my black sisters. You are a black woman. My father is uh, Jewish. Mm -hmm. And um, it's important to have these conversations, which is why we have Channel Q, of course. Now, I will say, just to start off, um, I believe that the Holocaust was because of, of... white supremacy. The Germans wanted to say they were the elite. Mm -hmm. They wanted to completely erase the Jewish community and did. Mm -hmm. And it was devastating to my ancestors. It was devastating to my grandmother. Mm -hmm. We all acknowledge that. I went to Amsterdam. I went to Anne Frank's house. It was so sad. And it really is. Yes, yes, yes. It was so... It was crazy to think that that could have happened and that it happened not even a hundred years ago. Do you know what I'm saying? So it's a sensitive subject and it's one that came up on The View this week that has now turned into a huge story. Mm -hmm. Whoopi Goldberg said that the Holocaust wasn't about race and she continued. And it had to do with man doing harm uh, against man. That's essentially what she alluded to. Right. And so ABC decided to sit her out for two weeks. Mm -hmm. When they decided to sit her out for two weeks, they wanted her to think about what she's done, which feels so problematic because she's not a child. Like you said, she's an EGOT winner. Um, but Which doesn't absolve her, but I think what's important in this, in context, is that I think that if Whoopi would have said that it had so much more, the, the Holocaust had 
a lot to do with, like, it went beyond race. Like, I think because she said it had nothing to do with race, that's what people took issue with. But what I find interesting is I went back and I watched that episode. That was Monday's episode for January 31st. And they had um, Maya Bialik, who is a Jewish woman, on the show that exact same day. And this is what she had to say about Whoopi's comments. To be educating all of our children, and as Whoopi said... It's not just about Jews and it's not about race. It is about the things that humans do to each other. And we continue to do those things to each other. These things are going on still all over the world. Genocide still exists. And that to me is even more reason why we should encourage an age appropriate reading of things like mouse so uh, so i thought that that was interesting because no one's talking about how she fully endorsed whoopi's comments right um but i also think that a larger discussion needs to be had because there does seem to be a confusion in the united states in particular about how jew jewish people are defined is it a race we know it's a religion and i also think that it uh also speaks to I mean, in the name of black history, I mean, I do applaud Germany for taking everything so seriously. Like they don't have monuments and buildings erected and named after Nazis in the way in the same vein that America has things named after blatant white supremacists and people who fought for the Confederacy as it pertains to black American slavery and how that went on for 400 years and how that essentially was a a a genocide for Africans. So it's it's interesting to see the politics around this. I think personally that two weeks is a bit excessive. I could see if they set Whoopi down for the remainder of the week and she'd be back on Monday. Yeah, but here's the thing. Like, Jewish people aren't canceling Whoopi. Jewish people aren't asking her to sit it out for two weeks. Jewish people are saying, great, let's have this conversation. Yeah. It's an important one. Are, let us explain. Are we a race? Are we a gender? Are, are we a race? Are we a religion? Uh, it was because of white supremacy. I mean, Definitely. literally the swastika was their theme symbol. Definitely. And um, I, to, for clarification, I did not go to Auschwitz, to the concentration camps. I went to Anne Frank's house in Amsterdam. So Got you. I did it. I've never been to a concentration camp. Okay. I don't know if I could handle it. There yeah, are still ashes yeah. of thousands of people that were murdered. These are all very important. It is also important to recognize that we have since received reparations, which the black community has not. <laughs> Hello. We talked about <laughs> generational wealth yesterday. Um, and it was a conversation that how does the black community even be able to start buying homes and starting businesses when oftentimes there's no money to even start with, unlike the Jewish community. I should also mention that we're not comparing and contrasting, right? So Michaela and I are not pitting like, oh, the black struggle versus the Jewish struggle. But there is systemic oppression. And, and, you know, I'd be remiss if I did not acknowledge in, in a lot of the ways that even though, you know, there's varying levels of oppression in this country, we cannot take away how other people of color and other marginalized and oppressed groups are also can also often times be anti-black and, and and implement racism against black people. So it's a very dicey conversation. I still think that the punishment is a lot. And it's interesting because it's Black History Month. And this is if you follow TV and if you know TV like I do, this is the first sweeps month of the year. And so to remove Whoopi, who is the crowned jewel of yes. the view, anyone would argue that. Um, it's interesting, and I'd be interested to see where this goes, because it's rumored that Joy Behar will be retiring from The View this upcoming summer, and Whoopi has been allegedly wanting to leave for the past few years, and the show keeps begging her to stay, and they keep upping her pay. So if Whoopi decides... In the name of this punishment that she's not coming back, and if Joy retires this summer, where does that leave Sonny, Sarah, and Anna, 
Where does that leave the future of the show? So this is an interesting conversation. It I doesn't mean, seem to be going anywhere anytime soon. To be honest, though, I could see the view just completely getting dissolved. I think that it's been problematic for a long time. And if they lost Megan, I mean, Megan McKinnon, if they lost Whoopi Goldberg. Which she had some nerve. Megan blocked I me. I know. Say it. Megan blocked you, Char. Megan just say it quickly. Me. We have a minute. You well, made such a great okay. point. So really quickly, Megan McCain writes for the Daily Mail and she wrote an op-ed kind of railing against Whoopi. And I just retweeted her and I said, you have some nerve because hello, if you watched the show when Megan was on, then you would agree with me. She has some nerve, especially because she's married to that Ben Dominic guy uh-huh. who runs the Federalist. She had no problem calling and out the China virus, but now ex- I was upset exactly. with Whoopi. Exactly. So I tweeted out that link and she she blocked me like in five seconds. And I was like, good riddance, Megan McCain. Honestly, though, that's like something to brag about. That's like a bumper sticker worthy <laughs> thing. Like, I was blocked by Megan McCain. I'm a survivor of Megan McCain. Oh, goodness. Blocking. Good, good riddance, Megan yes, McCain. Yes, listen, you got we some love you. Nerve. We love you, Whoopi. Uh, you've done a lot for the Jewish community and uh, we don't appreciate how they treated you. And it's funny that Whoopi adopted the last name Goldberg, which is a Jewish First of all, it's the segment. most Jewish name. There's a yeah. television show called The Goldbergs and it's and about... And I love that show. And it's all about being Jewish. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. Good Morning Beat. Channel Q. All right, we just were speaking about the Kardashians, and as much as we love them, we're talking about Kanye and what's popping. Now, <sighs> Kanye is being dragged, the 44-year-old rapper, for over-the-top gestures towards his new girlfriend, Julia Fox, who, although may look 40, is in fact 32. <laughs> I just said I thought she was 40 also. Okay. Listen, people can say that about me. Sometimes I look at my photos, I'm like, girl, you're pushing 42. And then I'm like, I'm And she 34. just turned 32, mm-hmm. I should mention. I had no idea Julia Fox was an actress, by the way. She's I didn't either, but I think that's a great name, Julia Fox. Like Jamie Fox. Yeah, but she's a fox. Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, Connie apparently thinks so, and he's going over the top in gifts. Uh, he bought her a bunch of baby Birkins for her birthday last night. Uh, well, well, he bought her a Birkin, but he also bought all of her friends Birkin bags as well, which I think is crazy. Also, Julia, how do I become one of your friends? I know, hello, but I was like, can you be our friend? (laughs) Um, Yeah, but like, here's the thing. That's who Kanye is. Kanye, when he proposed to Kim Kardashian, it was like the biggest event. He's just an over-the-top guy. He's a flashy guy. We should mention that Birkin bags retail for up to $30,000 per bag. So that's a huge flex as well. But listen, and I will never get into this. I have a Christian Dior fake bag in this room right now that I think is so beautiful. I got her in New York for $100. And she's great. I had one in in college. You did? Yeah, but it was from Big T in Dallas, Texas. Okay. Take me to Big T. I want... (laughs) Now, here's the thing. I just can't wrap my head around spending $30,000 for anything, for a bag, for, like, you could do so much. That's my mentality. Michaela, when I tell you if Kanye would have given me this $30,000 bag, it would have stayed in the box and I would have sold it. I would have sold. I would much rather have that cash. Oh, but we're Capricorns. Like yeah. we, that's who we are. I don't Some need a thirty thousand dollar bag. No, and also look, I had one real bag. It was a Speedy Forty. I was waitressing at the time, and I waitressed for two years. I put all my waitressing money away. I went to Louis Vuitton. I bought this bag from the Beverly Center. Mm. I tried it on for two years. Might I also add? I finally got to go. They wrapped it up. I got it. I was like, I'm incredible. I felt so good about myself. It was like $750 at the time, which okay. is now it's like thirteen or $1,400 of course. with all the doubles. Of course. I carried it. I was so impressed with myself. I left it in the car, and my friend's car, at the OC Festival, living my life. Oh. I came back. She forgot to lock her car doors, and someone stole 
my waitress speedy first 40 of all purse. michaela how old were you when this happened i was 23 or 24 yeah you you need it you needed need a friend like it. me where were, yeah. you needed a friend like okay. me in, in chicago you don't do that you don't do stuff like that like i i'm always Amen. trained that if i got like an expensive bag and i'm not taking it with me like let's say i was going somewhere after work today the bag goes in my trunk first because you never want to pull up at your destination and have the everybody see you put this expensive bag in yes. your trunk. yes okay and you also want to make sure things are covered and lock your doors. How do you leave a Louis Vuitton she, in the car? Girl, she got a new car. She didn't know how to lock it. It didn't lock. Also, Were you devastated? Uh, I'm 34 and I still cry about it sometimes. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I saw... I saw... I worked... I had to wait tables oh, for yeah, that purse. for two years. That's so crazy. So if Kanye decides to come and give us $30,000 Birkin bag shower, we're selling it. We're selling it and we're doing something better. Mm-hmm. The Morning Beat with A.J. Gibson and Michaela Gordon. Channel Q. Welcome back to The Morning Beat. A.J. Gibson is out, but we got Char Giselle. Char, I love when you host this show with me. People can catch you on Fridays in the afternoon. Let's go there. They can catch you live on Instagram with your uh, Wendy mug or (laughs) talk show mug. I did not know this about you. If you want to get Char a good gift, she likes talk show mugs. I do. We're waiting to get you an Oprah one now. I do. I need a vintage Oprah show mug. I hear that. Uh, But I, (laughs) in talking about that, you said something so great about Whoopi that I think is important for people to hear because she's right. Well, I was just mentioning to Michaela really quickly that one of my favorite Whoopi quotes, and this isn't verbatim, but years ago she mentioned that anytime, much like our jobs, Michaela, anytime you're paid to dish your opinion, there will be times that you step in ish. I'm not going to say the word she said, but ish. And I think this is a glaring example of that. Um, And I think that that also comes with the territory. You will, you will flub. You will, when you're giving, you're on air five days a week, ask your opinion on topics. You will, there will be sometimes you get slapped on the wrist, so to speak. And it's crazy because I feel like talk shows are not like they were 20 years ago with like Sally, Jesse, Raphael. I mean, Jenny Jones used to have. Um, well, she, there was a murder on her. There show. was a murder yeah. on her show because it was the show where this guy wanted to tell his neighbor uh-huh. that he, he was had a crush handsome, on him. handsome. And the, the guy ended up being so embarrassed that he, that he murdered him. him. Which, by the way, have you seen the dark side of the 90s? It's a documentary on Hulu. No. Watch it. The first episode talks about talk shows and they talk about Jerry Springer and Oprah. Stop. stop. But it was different in the 90s where you weren't, you weren't required to give your opinion. And the direction that we're in right now is hard news and soft news are murdered together. Totally. So it's not fluffy where where the view used to talk about like, oh, what would you do if you found out your man was cheating on his cousin? Now they're ta- it's a it's strictly real. political show. Yeah. yeah, it is. And I think that a lot of shows, this show, a lot of things yeah. have gotten more political and uh, I think they're important conversations. Can't separate the two in 2022. You can't. Remember when you'd say, just we can talk about anything but religion and politics. And now we're like, I require you to talk about religion yep. and politics and yep. nothing else. Yep. I love it. Alright, well this hour we're talking uh, the love hormone and having a sex addiction could that love hormone be the answer to being addicted to sex Mm. Uh, we're joined with licensed marriage and family therapist uh, Rebecca Ashita specializing in addictions narcissistic abuse and codependency Uh, I've never I've never felt any of those things all the buzzwords I was thinking of Tiger Woods when you first teased this story. You were just thinking about like sex addiction as it pertains specifically to men I don't hear a lot of women Saying that they're addicted to sex. I feel like, you know. That's a good point. Listen, women are incredible. You know, we're not the ones shooting up schools. <laughs> we're not the ones sexually abusing Even people. Even though there are threats. We saw the mom at the PTA well, meeting. I just- <laughs> 
<laughs> Listen, about sometimes masks. we get a little bit upset, okay? Yeah. But, uh, and then we're talking, what's a better way for Bath and Body Works to honor Black History Month? Because what they did was crazy, and they're getting dragged so for it. Rightfully so. Rightfully so. For now, let's get into a little news on the beat. COVID-19 vaccination rates are higher among gay and lesbian adults in the U.S. compared to heterosexual adults, new research suge- suggests. According to a CDC report, just over 85% of lesbian or gay adults in the U.S. have received at least one dose of a COVID-19 vaccine compared to 76% of heterosexual adults. There were no significant differences found in vaccination rates based on gender identity, according to the report, which used data collected from more than 150,000 respondents between August and October. All right, another news. This past November, the Biden administration announced that LGBTQ widows whose partners passed away before marriage equality was legal are officially eligible for Social Security survivor oh, that's benefits. Is that that's lovely? Because there are so many stories, Michaela, that we've heard of collectively um, of people just not being acknowledged. You know, I always think about like, you know, all those scenarios at the hospital if something happens and... Uh, you know how people there are people from all different types of generations the 50s the 60s the 70s the 80s and the 90s right. who it just was kind of like the estranged sister who my spouse hasn't talked to in 40 years gets to make the decision on whether or not the plug gets pulled a hundred percent it's I so know. crazy so it's i'm crazy. glad that there's there's some sort of relief for some of those families and couples out there i agree all right let's get into weather 68 in palm springs 57 in vegas a high of 70 in LA today, 55 in New York. Now, please give us a vibe of the day, Ms. Char. The vibe of the day, Maya Angel. Well, actually, I'm going to do Michelle Obama. Yes. Forever First Lady and Capricorn Queen. That's right. Michelle Obama says, History has shown us that courage can be contagious and hope can take on a life of its own. Yeah. Happy Black History Month. I'm just picking different people each hour. I think it's we great. We have Bayard, Rusted, Marsha P. Johnson, and now... And also, Michelle Obama, she's home team. We're both from Chicago. Come on. And Capricorn. You know, it's Cap- all looped in. Yes. Looped in. I love it. <laughs> all right, coming up, we are talking about addictions, narcissistic abuse, and codependency. Could that love hormone be the answer to being addicted to sex? We'll discuss next. Good morning, B. Channel Q. Okay, pop culture queen. Now, I know you're going to have opinions about this. <laughs> I... Uh, I'm still dumbfounded at the fact that Nick Cannon was uh, in TMZ last week because he's having a baby with Mm -hmm. a girl that I'm actually friends with. We're social media friends. To be fair, we've never met in person, but we became friends over the pandemic and we DM each other. Okay. We all have a friend like that. You know what I'm saying? You're like, okay. Now, it's been uh, an interesting journey for Nick Cannon because while he... Uh, is explaining the announcement of this new baby. He also just lost a baby with his other baby mama mm-hmm. only in December. And people have a lot of opinions about Nick Cannon. He's spreading his seed. Uh, is it intentional? Literally. Is it not? Is there a sex addiction that makes him uh, want to sort of behave this way? And so we decided to bring on a specialist, Rebecca Ashita, licensed marriage and family therapist specializing in addictions, narcissistic abuse, and codependency. Because although... We're talking about Nick Cannon. That's a lot of people. And especially in our community, sex addiction 
has been a thing. When I think celebrities, I think Nick Cannon, I think Tristan Thompson, Tiger Woods, Dean McDermott, Russell Brand. Okay. There's so many people that have publicly, well, Tristan didn't say it, or neither did Nick, but like people like Russell Brand have publicly come out and said that they've, they're addicted to sex. Right. But there are also some women peppered in there, but it's majority men, and that's what this conversation's about. Yeah, so Rebecca, please welcome to the show. Talk to us through this, um, t- is addiction real? You know, so I worked for years. Hi, everybody. Um, I worked for years in, uh, in quote, sex addiction. It's not, you know, it's not a, it's not recognized by the American Psychological Association. What is is compulsive sexual behavior? We can speak of it that way. Um, but you know, there people do form pathological relationships with mood altering experiences, and sex is an experience. So, so would you say? <laughs> I mean, there. I think you can become addicted to it. So, Michaela and I were talking off air about this. We kind of had like a little light, friendly debate. And I, my personal opinion, and I'm no, I don't have any authority. The only letters that follow my name are BA for Bachelor of Arts. Okay. Like I'm no doctor. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, like you said, like the the experience. Could could you compare this to maybe like an adrenaline rush of a roller coaster? Is it at, is it the actual act of the sex, or is it like the components that factor? into that, like the rush, the attention, the how your ego's being stroked, quite literally, that was a double entendre. Um, <laughs> right. So, so is it the actual act of sex or is it other components that kind of go into this mixture that people get addicted to? I think that's a great question. The thing is with what we call, let's say, compulsive sexual behavior, hypersexuality, um, what you see are, uh, you know, it's, it's a combination. It's not actually just the ultimate like end, like end goal of sex. A lot of times it's the ritualization of behavior. It's the searching for a partner. It's the anonymous sex. It's the, you know, the hit that you get of dopamine, of serotonin, of oxytocin, you know, all of those things that that you become addicted to the rush, Mm -hmm. you know? So whether it's food or gambling, which are also process addictions, you know, all of those kind of things, you're, you're, you're addicted to that to the thrill and it can go hand in hand with narcissism also. Mm. Okay. Um, So let's touch on that. Miss Rebecca, because (laughs) whether you were raised by a narcissist or you dated a narcissist, Mm -hmm. I think especially in our community, our community community is already so problematic and we're also dealing with a lot of issues. And when you add narcissism into that, it can be very scary. Uh, What does that look like? So the combination of what we call, quote, sex addiction, or let's say compulsive sexual behavior and narcissism is quite interesting because sex is supply. So narcissists need supply. They, it's like gas to a gas tank. It's, you know, it's their fuel. It's what fills them. And supply, though, becomes depleted. So they need supply over and over again. So if we're looking at the intersection of sex, you know, sex addiction and narcissism, what you're seeing are people that are literally seeing sex as supply adulation, attention, your validation, your hot, mm-hmm. the sex, all of that, it, it, it becomes the supply for them. So that's, the, that's how it kind of works. And really what happens is people can compartmentalize. I can be over here, you know, having all these multiple affairs. That's not in the contract of my relationship. Say I have a monogamous relationship and I'm doing all these things on the side and then I come back home and it's a completely separate thing and they're mm-hmm. completely separate in my mind. 
Wow. So wild. I'm reading an article right now about uh, the Endocrine Society's Journal of Clinical Endocrinology and Metabolism uh, conducted a a study around hypersexual disorder. And I want to get your personal opinion on this. Now, it's saying that uh, oxytocin has everything to do with this. And men who have identified or been diagnosed with having hypersexual disorder have naturally higher levels of this hormone in them. So... Does this transform? Do you think this is going to transform in the court of opinion? Is this going to transform them the, uh, the view of like this lusty, like bloodthirsty sex addict to make people maybe more empathize with them as just, I guess, helpless victims of their own biology, so to speak? Hmm. It's so hard to say because I, I love how you put that, because the truth is, if we even look at narcissism or, or a hypersexuality, um, you know, people have, you know, have trauma and they may do certain mm-hmm. things because of that also. The thing is that it also doesn't excuse behavior. Mm-hmm. You know, trauma, Ooh. trauma is not your responsibility, but healing, it, you know, healing, trauma is not your fault, but healing is your responsibility. So, wow. You know, I think a lot of these things can really impact partners and others around them and also themselves, you know, but I definitely think there's a correlation between high oxytocin and and also the intensity of orgasm. You there know, is a correlation. That's, that's not a tweet, tweetable. Trauma's so, not your fault, but healing is your responsibility. Let me tell you something. I relate to yeah. that so much. Let's talk, step away from the sex conversation because I'm talking about my mother now and that could get tricky. Okay. okay. <laughs> my, I'm in therapy right now and I think the biggest uh, resentment that I feel towards my mother, she is a narcissist and okay. we do not speak. We don't have a relationship. And I think that when people say, well, you have to let it go so that you can move on. You have to forgive them away. I think where mm-hmm. I'm angry is that I understand she was also put through trauma, but she could have gone to therapy as well so that I didn't have to deal with that trauma. Or she could go to therapy now at almost 65 years old and I could work through that. And I think that that's right. why and I, it's... Yes. Yes. I mean, I have chills when you're saying this because this is the kind of stuff that I work with. And the truth of the matter is we do not need to forgive. I, I am not a proponent of that. I think you can accept something. You can radically accept what's happened to you Ooh. and move forward. But you do not have to forgive anyone for abusing you. I'm sorry. I, I, all, I'm not behind that at um, all. <laughs> I'm coming to you as my therapist. I'm going to have two therapists now. <laughs> no, I really Thank love you for that, validating. And I really love that you brought up <laughs> radical acceptance because this is something, aside from this conversation, that I've personally been, been, been kind of wrestling with. Because radical acceptance doesn't mean that we have to like it or we're condoning it. Exactly. But we're accepting it as is. Like This is literally something I've been reading books and talking to my therapist about for the past two weeks. Because it's it can get like a slippery slope for me when it comes yeah. to that. So thank yeah, no, you. I think that's it's, I, that's so wonderful that you guys are you know working on that and talking about that. It's so incredibly important because you can radically accept something, but absolutely, it is not okay to be abused. Absolutely, well, there's no excuse for it. Mm-hmm. Well, Rebecca, mm-hmm. when all you have to do is sit inside of your home during a pandemic and think about your own <laughs> thoughts, you tend to have to go to therapy afterwards. <laughs> We're working through it. This was a great conversation, and I'd love to have you back on. Uh, Rebecca Ishida, licensed marriage and family therapist, specializing in addictions, narcissistic abuse, and codependency. The one thing I'm taking away from this is that uh, that you don't have to forgive them away, and uh, and I love that. Thank you so much. Thanks so much, you guys. All right, coming up, this is uh, like what happens at Pride, this next story. Bath and Body Works tried to honor Black History Month, and it totally went wrong. We're going to discuss next. 
Welcome back to the Morning Beat. Now, this conversation we have a lot during Pride Month because we're sick of companies trying to slap a rainbow flag <laughs> and saying that they're not homophobic, they support the community, yeah. and then July comes and they rip that flag down and then we don't talk to them until next June for Pride. Well, Michaela, you know I have a running joke. You may or may not know this, but I always say my busiest months are February, March, and June because Black History, Women's History, and then Pride Month. Yes. That's when the phone rings off the hook as if I'm not well-versed or educated the other months of the year. A hundred percent. Yeah, this Bath and Body Works really dropped the ball with this. And you would think that people would not be as, um, I guess, out of the loop with these things in 2022. But it still happens. Yeah. Well, I look, I think that with Black History Month, uh, you want people to have like the right intent. And instead of celebrating, it should be like honoring, you know, because yeah. it's a different it's a different feeling but bath and body works unveiled a new collection for black history month and social media users are not <laughs> impressed it's wrapped in limited edition packaging uh inspired by kente cloth the line of soaps perfumes lotions and candles sparked debate yeah uh i want you to take this because well, you're a black woman so here's my thing with it you can't just grab your cucumber lemon or cucumber melon lotion and slap some kente cloth on it and say oh, happy black history cringy. month I want, much like how you brought up pride and how people weaponize the the rainbow flag, I want some equity. I want to know where the proceeds are going. Okay. And I'm not talking about no measly 10% of each sale. Like, what organizations are you giving to? And personally, my personal politic, I like grassroots. And that's with respect to the Trevor Project. That's with respect to GLAAD and everyone. But I find that the, the, the matriculation of the funds, typically the people who need to be the most served gets, get the less money. So I like giving to grassroots nonprofit organizations. So I'd love to see some type of integration of that and not like the stereotypical organizations that people run to. And this is, like I said, in the vein of like a Pride Month, but also Black History Month. Like you don't have to give to the NAACP. There are grassroots organizations that you can give to. And that's not me saying don't do it. I'm just saying, you know, widen the umbrella. And also I want to see what your C-suite looks like. Yeah, it's it's all fun and games and diversity and inclusion until your C-suite is still the status quo. And it's made up of cisgender, heterosexual white men. Like, are there women on the board? Are the people that you're trying to celebrate, are they represented? Because it seems like no black person was in the room for this discussion, Bath and Body Works. Well, uh, it goes back to like <laughs> representation, of course. But this blows my mind. It blows my mind that humongous corporations. Yeah. Bath and Body Works has been around since I was a little girl because me and my grandma used to go to the Meadows Mall and we used to go to Bath and Body Works. And get your Works. candles and Amen. your love. And you know, in about- seventh grade, that was like our thing. Was that your thing 100%. too? hundred percent. Yeah. And then when they came out, um, it was, oh no, Love Spell was Victoria's Secrets. This was the, what was the raspberry one? I or can't, the, I can't do you remember. you know which one I'm talking about? I do know what you're talking about because I used both. I did use the Victoria's Secret uh, body splashes, but also I remember being in the locker room and, you know, putting on, you know, like the whatever, the, th- su- the sweet pea lotion, like layering percent, myself. A thousand percent. It was everything. <laughs> but I don't understand to that point how these large corporations who've been around for so long, 
completely missed the mark. Like, how in 2022 because, are you going on social media yeah. and and being so problematic? Well, it's because, like I said, it's a reflection of who's in the room having the conversations and making the decisions. It yeah. is a pure reflection. on. That's why I said, show me your C-suite. I want to know who's the CEO. Who, Like, who's in and around since everybody's all about their DEI and their diversity, equity, and inclusion work in the name of 2022 and on the other side of the summer of racial reckoning. <laughs> what has really changed and also so, like I said, I think the determining factor, like Bath and Body Works, could have kept their original packaging. They really could have. Yeah. I just want a distribution of funds and not a measly 10%. I want to know that 50% of the sale that, that just was made in this store is going towards an organization to help further the the equity and inclusion of black people. Sure, I think you need to tweet this. You're an icon on black Twitter, and I think this needs to be said because that's a really good point. We, it's I, it's so much more beneficial when the proceeds are a heavy amount of proceeds, yeah. and it's going to something so important, protecting our black brothers and sisters. And not just a candle wrapped in kente cloth. What what does that do for me? The, now when you say it out loud, it sounds even so much more worse <laughs> after having such a great conversation. What, is, what does that do for Listen, me? one user said, what's next? The staff wearing the shiki smocks next year? And... I mean, and what also should be mentioned is that I'm a black American, right? There are African Americans who are immigrants from Africa who have issues with black people who have been stateside uh, calling themselves African-American. One of my friends whose mother is from Ghana says she is African-American. So I have, through these conversations, I'm a black person in America who embraces that I am a black American. Yeah. There are African-Americans and there are black Americans. Now, not everybody identifies with my personal politic, but I also have no relation to the kente cloth, for example, because I'm black American. Right. So I can acknowledge that that has everything to do with Africa and Kenya and and speaking Swahili and, and Nigeria and Ghana. But as a black American yeah. who's been here for 400 Make plus it. years. Make the point, Char. What does a kente cloth mean to Char Jocelle? I guess that's something I have to interrogate. Let me get this woman a <laughs> microphone and an Oscar. <laughs> The Morning Beat with AJ and Michaela, Channel Q. We've got a very special What's Poppin' because usually I do the What's Poppin's, but we have a pop culture queen who is a just like that aficionado, honey. Oh, yes. And so, Char, I want you to take this What's Poppin'. Okay, so wait, where are we in the rundown? I just missed my spot. Okay, so we're talking about Sarah Jessica Parker saying, uh, "Oh yes, she doesn't doesn't think it would be okay if Kim Cattrall." So what what's ended up happening is, and then just like that, we do have these little endearing moments of Samantha popping through in text message, right? And they do a great job of giving us a good music bed and putting us all in our feels or whatever. But Michael Patrick King, who is the creator, said that they went into this show with no intention of extending an invite to Kim Cattrall because she's made it very clear that not only does she not have any interest in reprising her role as Samantha, but she and SJP have some beef. Yes. So it's been interesting to see the finale just aired yesterday. And I should mention that there is an, and just like that documentary that's about an hour and a half that's streaming on HBO Max as well, if you want to take a deep dive to behind the scenes. Well, because I was very 
somewhat invested in Sex in the City, but I loved Kim. I loved Kim's character. Yeah. And when they did in Just Like That, I feel like there was so much drama surrounding it. I haven't hopped on board to watch it. I still don't know what the drama is. And, you know, I'm so well, nosy and I want to know. Uh, well, she just said that they, they never got along, but also Stanford died while they were filming. Um, so he's dead in real life. Like the, Willie Garcon, I believe, is his is, is real name. Yes. So he's in the first three episodes. And then we all saw what happened with Chris Noth last uh, month. Well, actually, I keep saying last month, but I mean in December when the show premiered. You know, Chris Noth played Mr. Big and we saw the allegations that I mean, the that drama that's happened is crazy. But it's a good show if you approach it not in the, the mind frame of Sex and the City because the writers, the creator, everyone has been reiterating for the past like 10 weeks that this is not Sex and the City. And I think it d- does show a beautiful depiction of how things can change in 20 years. Absolutely. These women are 55 right now. And let's, and let's normalize 55. Let's normalize them still having lives and doing things. And gray things. hair. Because and- we have this conversation a lot and I know that you'll agree with me. Men who are 55 are looked at as daddies. They're handsome. Yeah. Women who are 55 are looked at as old. Yeah. Oftentimes not allowed and in the fairness, workplace. women that are 34 and 35 are looked at We're as old, old. In, in, some, yeah, in certain regards. Yeah, yeah, it's true. So I love that they're normalizing it. All right, coming off another TV spinoff. Did they get this casting right? We're joined by my good friend, Tony Moore, a pop culture enthusiast and TV commentator to talk about the next reboot in the next hour. The Morning Beat with AJ and Michaela. Channel Q. All right, we're inching closer to the weekend. Now, AJ Gibson is out, but we are joined with my Capricorn queen, Char Giselle. We're coming into our final hour. I've so enjoyed hosting this show with you. I've missed you, and I feel like... You said it best. It's like 2019 again. Is it? Is that the last time we saw each other in person, yeah. or was it the top of 2020? I think I've only seen you on the virtual. We I think it was just virtual. Yeah. Yeah. This is surreal. Now I know. that I think about it, wow. I know. We were 31. <laughs> now we're 30. No, we were 32. We're 32. 32. Now we're 34. <laughs> now we're 34. Yes. Listen, I just am so happy that the world is trying to get it together, um, and we're very excited. Uh, this hour, we have a great show for you. Before we uh, officially start our Friday, you're going to be on. Let's go there. So your day is still very much in the beginning phases. Yes, I will stay. Stay tuned to Channel Q. I'll be right back at two p.m. Yes, live two p.m. Yes. Pacific. Live. We love that. You're a hustler, Mama. <laughs> uh, but this hour, we have my friend Tony Moore joining us, pop culture enthusiast, TV commentator, to talk about another TV spinoff. Did they get the casting right? to this reboot and then in Tell Me Something Good we're honoring a queer black uh, trailblazer who made history but first let's get into a little bit of news on the beat an analysis released by the Hamilton Project of the DC based Brookings Institution a nonprofit public policy research organization takes a closer look at recent US census data showing that same gender male couples have the nation's highest median family income among three types of couples the analysis shows same gender female Female couples had the lowest median family incomes, even though they were likely more likely than opposite gender couples to have two income earners, have higher education, and live in a densely populated area, which the study says are characteristics associated with higher incomes. The report includes an analysis of data released in September 2020 by the U.S. Census Bureau of its 2019 American Community Survey that focused on same-gender couples. 
It also says that when same-sex male and same-sex female couples are lumped together, the census data show they have a higher median income than opposite gender couples. The report concludes by saying there are limitations to our study, among other things, because the Census Bureau's American Community Survey, whose data it uses, does not ask questions about sexual orientation. Mm. Okay. Rounding out news this morning, more than one in four LGBTQ youth have experienced homelessness or housing instability at some point in their lives. A new report from the Trevor Project shows, including nearly half of Native, Indigenous, LGBTQ youth and early 40% of transgender and non-binary youth, 35% of LGBTQ youth who are homeless and 28% who have experienced housing instability, also reported a suicide attempt in the last year, compared to 10% of LGBTQ youth who are not housing insecure. Homeless LGBTQ youth are also two to four times more likely to report depression, anxiety, self-harm, suicidal thoughts, and suicide attempts. Experts say the pandemic has also exasperated Mm -hmm. housing and mental health concerns. Last year, more than 80% of LGBTQ youth reported that the pandemic has worsened their housing situations, according to the Trevor's Project. Uh, Yeah. Duh. Yeah. It's been a lot. I mean, that that story about Miss USA. Yeah. uh, Chesley Chesley Christ. Yeah. Knowing that... um, all the things that we assumed that she had. We've had really big conversations around this, and I don't know what your opinion is on this, but a friend of mine was speaking, Erica Cobb. She's a host, and she said, not only can we stop putting pressure on our strong friends, but we have to stop putting pressure on black women Mm -hmm. who are in the public eye because they're, quote-unquote, having to, like, represent Mm -hmm. the entire black community. Like, it's too much pressure and everything just sort of needs to be removed from them. Yeah, and I also think that as it pertains to mental health and, you know, trigger warning, suicidal ideation, the conversation runs much deeper than check on your strong friend. Like, I think that it's so important for community to rally around and really... Really put your money where your mouth is, so to speak. And it's one thing to check on your strong friend in theory, and it's another to do it in practice. Right. So I think that we really need, like, this pandemic has definitely reminded us how fleeting life is and how important it is to have human connection. And we really have to take care of ourselves because there has been an onslaught of, like, our peers. There's been an onslaught of people, you know, dying by suicide from what I've seen in the media um, within the past, like, two weeks. So there's definitely a conversation. I don't know if I'm leading the right conversation, but what I can tell you, Michaela, is there's definitely a conversation that needs to take place. Listen, right or wrong, there has to be a conversation because you have to think people are finally leaving their house also after two years. People don't know how to act anymore. They haven't had to socialize. They haven't had to be outside. They haven't had to do so many things that could cause so much anxiety that by the time they're finally able to live quote-unquote normal lives again, they just don't know how. And Chesley's mother did come out and mention that uh, Chesley was suffering from high-functioning depression. So there's different tiers to this. So, yeah. All right, let's get into a little bit of weather now. It's going to be 70 in L.A., a high of 57 in Vegas, 68 in Palm Springs, and 41 in Houston. Now give us a vibe of the day. Vibe of the day. I'm shouting out James Baldwin, who's one of my favorite authors and thought leaders, who also happens to be a black gay man. You see how I keep merging the two? And we appreciate it. On Channel Q, I'm, I'm showing you all intersectionality. And it's we black love History that. Month, we need to know. We need to be educated. We're on Channel Q. So this quote, the vibe right now, James Baldwin says, not everything that is faced can be changed, but nothing can be changed until it's faced. 
So what I got Ooh. from that was call a thing a thing, people. Yes. Call a thing a thing. Call a thing a thing. <laughs> I'm going to make merch for you that just has all of your quotes. <laughs> and I'm going to sell it for you. All right, coming up, we have Tony Moore joining us, pop culture enthusiast, TV commentator. Uh, there's another TV spinoff. But did they get the casting right towards this beloved reboot? We'll discuss next. The Morning Beat with AJ Gibson and Michaela Gordon. Channel Q. All right, I love when we're joined by our good friends, especially when they are also a Capricorn. It is a Capricorn it, it, gang to jaw. Michaela, we are taking over today. We are taking over. We're the goat. That's yeah, why. We're the goat. We are the goat, the goat of the astrological signs. Uh, but what I'm excited about is that uh, Tony Moore, pop culture enthusiast and TV commentator, fellow Capricorn, is on the line because we're talking about Peacock's Queer as Folk reboot. I loved the original Queer as Folk. Me too. Who was your, do you remember the name of your favorite character? No, because I just remember, I was little when I watched it because my mom watched it. I used to it. sneak and watch it. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And I just remember the feeling that it gave me. Like, just to see people of the same sex living, because I they knew. They had a lesbian couple, but I liked Justin. I liked Emmett, and I can't remember the mom's name, but the one with the red hair who owned the diner. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't, I really, I didn't watch it like that where I could like name them. Uh-huh. I just remember because my mom was a lesbian. She would watch it. Mm-hmm. And I remember just seeing it. And I was like, I like that. Like, yeah. I liked that. Uh, but they're having a reboot. So we'll be watching that for sure. Tony Moore, let's talk the reboot. Is the yes. casting right this time around? Um, listen, this is the most diverse cast for this reboot. I mean, I think especially with this generation, you have to have a very diverse cast. So you have non-binary, you have a drag queen, you have just people of color, you have everything under the rainbow that people can relate to this go round. So I'm super excited about that. You know, me too. I can't remember the original city that this took place in. I want to say Philly? Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. It was, uh, Pittsburgh. Hey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, th- I, th- I thought it was so funny because just like in the in the vein of Sex and the City, black people did not exist in Pittsburgh in this alternate universe. Uh, they probably did, but they didn't They didn't bring, they didn't bring them out. No, they, didn't, they, they didn't show them. They did not, even in the oomts oomts clubs that they used to go to. But what are your thoughts? <laughs> I have to get your thoughts because I'm looking at the cast list for the reboot, and I see that our very own Kim Cattrall, a.k.a. Mm-hmm. Samantha Jones, darling, yes! is a part of this cast. Do you think this is like her flipping the bird to HBO Max and, and my Michael Patrick King. Listen, let me tell you, Kim Cattrall has been flipping the bird and telling people off uh, the whole time. (laughs) So I don't think she needs to do it with this. But I live for the fact that the legendary Kim Cattrall will be a part of this. I mean, I'm I missed her and and just like that. But she was like, I'm not going over there. I'm gonna be over here with the queer folks and living my entire life. Cheers to that. So I'm I, it's iconic that she's going to be a part of this amazing reboot, along I, with Juliet Lewis too. Like I live for Juliet Lewis because she's like she's always been like the cool girl in everything that she's played, and I'm like, oh, you gonna pop into? I'm living for that. Yeah, we too. love her. We love her. She looks like a distant cousin of Jennifer Garner. Go yeah. ahead, Michaela. I will say though, just in regards to Kim Cattrall, because this is a good life lesson. Just like um, Sex in the City was humongous, 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 and the balls it took to say, I'm not going back to that show. I don't want the show. I felt. Mm-hmm disrespected at the show mm-hmm. not caring what anybody thought and then and just like that kind of isn't doing well and Kim Cattrall is going to this humongous opportunity like 
just kudos to like having boundaries and sticking yeah. to defending yourself because this show really yeah. is going to be amazing. Jesse James uh, Keitel, is that how you say her last name? Keitel. Keitel. Uh, yeah. From they started Big Sky, the first trans. Oh, ABC. Uh, the first Big non-binary mm-hmm. character. No, I hate it. I must say, shout out to this actress, but I hated that storyline. That's what made me stop watching Big Sky. Oh my gosh, it was oh. ridiculous. I hated that storyline. I I got through part of the first season. I also love that Johnny Sibley. I love yeah. me some Johnny Sibley. Oh, is a part I of this love- cast. I love like when I saw that he was announced because I was watching Hacks. Uh, I was watching yes. him in Hacks, and I was living for him in Hacks. And then I'm like, and then I first saw him in Pose. I mm-hmm. mean, he was in one episode or a couple of episodes, but those episodes were super important, and he killed it as um, as that character. He played Billy Porter's um, boyfriend, uh-huh. um, and I know that he's going to slay it in in this as well. And, and cute too. And Niall DeMarco. Gorgeous. Speaking of cute, oh Ooh, my gosh, baby daddy. When I saw when I saw that Niall was uh, announced to be a part of it, my heart just saying I've always had. He's always had a little piece of my heart since America's Next Top Model. And I'm just excited to see his career continue to flourish. And I'm like, come on through on Queer's Now can honey. have a piece of me. Listen, Benito Skinner, who I love, uh, Benny <laughs> Drama on social media, he can. We'll, we'll, we'll tweet that. Sure, if, you want a piece, if you want a piece of Shar, you can come on and get it. Only Niall. Uh, only Niall. Um, but Benny Drama, as we know on social media, this shows how, like, how if you blew up in the pandemic doing like comedy mm-hmm. and TikTok, how it really is showing up now in television shows. Uh, Benito Skinner will be playing comedian and social media superstar. You'll see him later on in Bros. Uh, plays uh, an influencer on this show, but he's so funny. He kind of reminds yeah. me of like Billy Eichner. And oh, I'm obsessed Not with Timon. him. Not Timon. I call Billy Eichner because of the live action reboot. But really quickly, Tony, is there anything in particular, aside from the casting, is there anything you mentioned that there's going to be drag queens and non-binary people and people of different racial backgrounds? Are there any type of like storylines? What would you like to see come out of this reboot? I just want everyone to feel like they're represented. Because when I was growing up, you know, I wasn't so privy to gay people so um, or queer people. So watching TV was my gateway to that. Mm-hmm. So I think it's very important um, for this younger generation and, and even people my age and older to continue seeing representation and telling stories authentically. You know, don't give me no, like, flutter, flutter, like, you know, everything is happy go lucky. And I need to see the struggle. I need to see the realness. I need to see, you know, the people that... I know that I can relate to and I think this reboot is definitely going to give all of that and more I think it's so important and it's so special Uh, we were having a conversation in regards to Bath and Body Works completely getting it wrong (laughs) in uh, what they were trying to do for Black History Month and the conversation was who was in the room to make that call like we need representation do you remember at the beginning of Mean Girls when Lindsay Lohan's character was like Jumbo to, yes. to her black classmates. Yes. That's what Bath and Body Works did to the black community. They walked Listen. up to us and said, Jumbo. They're I the mean girls. We have been celebrating Black History Month for I don't know how long, and even to this day, people are still getting it wrong. I just I just saw something on social media where um, like a Catholic school decided to serve fried chicken to celebrate Black History Month, and I'm like, y'all, it is 2022. How are we still making these mistakes? 
I feel like I hate it here. We're having a breakfast of fried chicken right now. Now I'm examining some things. Why, why the hell do we have fried chicken today? I just thought it was fried chicken. I didn't put anything Me too. together. Until now Tony I'm overthinking. Tony, got, Tony, goodbye. <laughs> Tell me something good. All right, as we head into the weekend, we love to leave you with inspirational stories to make you feel good. So, Char, you have a really uh, great person that you want to share that we want to learn about talk to us you take it away well i got a shout out i'm guessing that this person is creole so shout out to my distant creole cousin okay. uh stormy delarvery who is a well was a biracial butch lesbian born in new orleans louisiana and was a performer as a teenager she joined the ringling brothers circus where she rode jump jumping horses then from 1955 to 1969 she toured the black theater circuit as the mc and the only catch this michaela drag king of the jewel box re- review come on stormy okay um and so yeah so she's made a lot of history she ended up living in new orleans uh, and and new york city excuse me in the 80s and the 90s and she was also a part of the stonewall veterans association and she passed in 2014 so she was around for quite some time from 1920 to 2014 so she's been a huge figure in lgbtq plus activism and i just wanted to shout her out in the name of Black History Month. I love it. All right, well, I'll end a story <clears throat> with a blogger named Charnay Gordon. Okay. Okay, <laughs> our families are in these stories today. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now, as part of the country... Uh, continues their efforts to ban books at school libraries. A powerful grassroots movement to get more books into the hands of children is growing thanks to my 45th cousin, Sharnay Gordon, uh, being recognized for the power of books have had on her two children, Madison and Barrington, from a very young age. Uh, And she says that the thought of her children not being able to have books that they love brought her to lead 50 States to 50 books, a nonprofit organization led by Gordon that delivers thousands of books, telling diverse and inclusive stories to children across the nation, 50 books at a time to each of the 50 U S States to date. The organization has served over 5,000 children across America. That's amazing. Um, and I love that she's making sure that children are staying educated uh, on really important things. It's Friday. We are finally finished with our show. We'll be joined with AJ Gibson again Monday. Shar, you are incredible. I love you. I love when you're on the show. I think you're so brilliant. Thank you. You have so much to say. I appreciate all of your opinions. And um, and I always love working with you, Michaela. Thank you so it's much. always so fun. Thank you, Shar. You can continue listening to Shar today uh, as she heads into Let's Go There starting at 2 p.m. Uh, if you missed any of our conversations, you can download our podcast at Odyssey com take care of yourselves this weekend and we'll see you Monday this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds you tell progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. clock at four. Donchich. 
The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Nerds. Today's episode is sponsored by Nerd Wallet Smart Money Podcast. Get your head in the financial game with smart investing and budgeting tips straight from the nerds. Nerd Wallet's experts will set future you up for success with dependable, fact-based insights. No financial misinformation allowed. Learn how to save on your summer vacation. Find your next credit card or loan for a big purchase and invest in your next index fund. Make smarter decisions in 2024. Follow Nerd Wallet Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app.